Hi everyone, my name is Greg Knight and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. Our series Under the Stole is where you can find those conversations. I've had the opportunity to interview award-winning directors, up-and-coming documentarians, and even a legit Abraham Lincoln historian. So if you are curious about the creative spirit and want to learn more about how artists are inspired to make their passion projects, check out Under the Stole right here on the Popping Collars feed. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we'll have your people call my people. On the a wired car phone in my car. That's right. That's right. That evidently can also hook up to a fax machine, which <laughs> I didn't quite know that that technology existed. I was unsure about that. All right. Wait, yeah. I got to finish this intro. <laughs> okay, go on. We'll have your people call my people about movies that were nominated or... Should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. This month, we're looking at The Player. Robert Altman's The Player. With an R on the end, not an A. (laughs) From director Robert Altman comes a story of Hollywood. I got a writer in here who's got a pitch I think you ought to hear. I think it's hot. We open outside San Quentin. The Graduate, part two. And Mrs. Robinson had a stroke. So she can't talk. It's going to be funny? Yeah, it'll be funny. Griffin Mill is a hotshot studio executive. Yes. Angelica, hi. Griffin Mill. Oh, hi. Good to see you. Malcolm McDowell. Hi, how are you? Hi, Bert. Good oh, to hi, see you. Good to see you. He's heard every pitch. That's exactly right. It's Out of Africa meets Pretty Woman. He knows all the angles. We're going to have to have a little sex in this, Mr. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. We'll get it. Slowly, pushes her panties down to her knees. And all the players... We're the stars. No stars. No stars. Bruce Willis. I want Bruce Willis. Not Bruce Willis. No Schwarzenegger. Junior Robbins. Now, he's about to star. How did this get here? They're coming from a writer. Hello, is David Kane there, please? This is. This is Griffin Mill. Who's a dead man? In his most unforgettable story yet. Stop all the postcards. I don't like postcards. I want This is a tough story, a tragedy. Not unlike Ghost meets Manchurian Candidate. The trouble is... something you have to know. If you went to Pasadena with intent to kill, you could go to the gas chamber. It's not a movie. I'd like you to come down to the station. I would hate to get the wrong person arrested. Oh, please. This is Pasadena. We do not arrest the wrong person. That's L.A. It's his life. Are you seeing someone else? (sighs) You took her to a party, Griffin, with several hundred of my best friends. Do places like this really exist? Only in movies. Robert Altman's The Player. Can we talk about something other than Hollywood for a change? Yes. We're educated yeah. people. Sure. Sure. Uh, Betsy, I have a brief description. So, someone pointed out to me, you know, you keep calling them brief descriptions. Those are the log lines of the movie. Yes. It's like, okay, fine. All right. Whatever you want to call it. I call it a brief description, a brief description of the player. Would you like to hear it? Yes. A Hollywood studio executive 
is being sent death threats by a writer whose script he rejected. But which one? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? That is terrible. <laughs> that says nothing about the over-stylized Robert Altman-esque elements of this film. Oh, the descent into darkness that is this film? Uh, Betsy, yes. what is what is your history with the movie The Player? I feel like I watched it, especially because it was one of those movies that people were like, oh, this is an important movie, or this mm. is a movie that movie people like to, <laughs> to recommend. So I, as I've said before on this podcast, I hung out with a lot of okay. radio, tele- television, and film majors. Right. So I feel like I might have watched it because I was told it was good for me to watch it. I have to ask you a question. So on yes. this here podcast, Liz has said in mm-hmm. the past that she gets annoyed with music bros that tell her, like, you have to listen to this record and you have to love it as much as I do. Or like explaining music to her. She gets really annoyed with Yes. That. And I've noticed that you seem to have the same pushback. Yeah. So like film bro culture of like, oh, this is a great movie. And you're like, kind of like, don't tell me it's a great movie. I don't want to. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, again, this goes to. We have talked about the contrarianness of how my Gen Xness expresses itself. It's like, oh, everybody likes that. Oh, screw that! I don't like it. I'm not even going to look at it. Yeah. Hamilton or whatever the whatever it is, the thing everybody loves. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think this was definitely maybe maybe it's a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just it's so meta. Like it's just for people who who are interested in the industry want to be in the industry. Right. And, and it kind of says, Oh yeah. The, you know, if you like this movie, then you're this kind of person. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was probably the second time I've ever seen the player in my life. This was not a movie that was like, I don't know, a thing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I knew of it. Like it was like, you know, I think it has this outsized reputation because of just how many actors are in the movie, you know, which mm-hmm. which kind of makes you wonder, like, what is that a Robert Altman thing? Is that a studio thing? Like, where do where do you get all of these sort of cameos that show up? Because I got to admit, like, the cameos are pretty fun. If I had to have an initial take on the movie, I would say, oh, it's fun seeing like John Cusack show up out of nowhere. Or Burt Reynolds, you know. Yeah. What are your um, yeah. initial takes on the movie? It's it's a lot of angsty white guys <laughs> happening in this film. <laughs> so that's one take. I you know I do enjoy the you know every other scene is somebody that you uh, are like oh my gosh it's Roddy McDowell or like whoever it is. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I appreciate that aspect. I like the hypocrisy that it's calling out. Even right. though I'm also like, it's still Hollywood making a film about Hollywood. Right. Right. And so it's like that in the end, the screening room, when Bonnie gets all upset, you know, you sold out and it's all the, it's all celebrities and it's all this and that. And yeah, <laughs> that everybody has these great intentions of keeping everything 
pure and it's about the creative process, but then in the end, it's really about money. And it feels very much like something that you imagine is, could be made now. Yeah. Like you know, satire of the Hollywood. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I was going to say, although now every actor that they run into, they would be, there would be like a running gag about what superhero they were playing in their next right right you could just yeah you just need to insert more current (laughs) jokes about genre here right right um i also feel like it exposes the um it exposes the the graft in the suiting industry there's so much fabric being (laughs) used in the making of these giant double-breasted (laughs) suit jackets that go down to like they almost look like zoot suits like they're going down to like mid thigh well tim robbins Robbins is a tall guy he's a tall guy (laughs) it is so it is swallowing him alive when all he wants to do is wear a tank top that's all he wants to do he's big and tall he is (laughs) and we need to make his shoulders even wider it's just, it was, uh, you know, we talk a lot about how every fashion comes back around and 90s fashion is in, you know, there's a lot in this movie that is not coming back around for good yeah. reason. Yeah. So that I enjoyed very much the early 90s fashion. Yeah. Because it was, it's, it's now that we moved to the year that we're in, it is distinctly we're more nineties and eighties at this point. So yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate it all, all of that as well. De- definitely more nineties. Okay. So I have a couple of notes. Yes. That I have. What you got? Um, one, the cameos. You have to like I I w- I was totally suckered by the cameos. Like every time somebody mm-hmm. would show up, I would be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So some of these just, people are dead. Some of these oh, people yeah. are no longer with us, right? Oh my gosh, you know, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, yes, <laughs> a lot yes. Of them. Um, so I, I had fun with that. I will also say that this was the Oscars, I think, that Robert Altman, like there's a shot of Robert Altman having a conversation with David Lynch at the Oscars ceremony, and I can only imagine what that conversation is. I know. What in the I world? Know. I have no idea. Anyway, um, my other note, you know what? For me, the Julia Roberts, the running Julia Roberts gag, it worked. Yes. It worked for me. I And the uh, Bruce Willis, the Bruce Willis gag like that, that Yeah, yeah. So like was so a bitch. so constantly throughout the film, people are pitching their movie starring Julia Roberts because she was like the it person of the time, you know, coming off mm-hmm. of like Pretty Woman, Sleeping with the Enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. Still Magnolias, like all of that stuff. And um, and so like everyone's like trying to cast Julia Roberts in their movie. And, you know, when she shows up at the end, it was very funny to me. I laughed. Well, and it made me a little a little sad, you know, because Bruce Willis is, is going through what he's going through at the moment with his, you know, debilitating brain illness. And so, you know, the, he was the he was the Julia Roberts equivalent. Mm-hmm. So it was that was nice. That was nice. Yeah. Okay. Last note on this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love, I love, love, love when people are making Hollywood satires and they do the whole, you know, 
X meets Y movie trope, you know? So like mm-hmm, Die Hard mm-hmm. on a bus, you know, or something like yep, that. Yep, like, yep, I, yep, yep. I love, I love elevator pitches. As a matter of fact, I think we should use pitches like that more in like uh, church world, where it's like, oh, you know, it's like godly play meets like uh, Paul Tillich, you know, like <laughs> like that kind of. Yeah. Thing. I'd love that. Yeah, we should do more mashups. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, well, I want to know what, why the security so lax. That's why. Well, I'll talk to you about it later. I'm in the middle of the pitch. Okay. Listen. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Okay. It's a TV star, and she goes on like a dime. You're talking about a TV star and a motion picture? No, no, not a real TV star. It would be played by a movie star. A movie star playing a television star. Julia, Julia Roberts would be good. Dolly Hart Lily, good. Dolly. You know, I like Goldie. I like Goldie. Okay, Goldie We have a relationship, and that would be great. Goldie goes to Africa. Goldie goes to Africa. She becomes worshipped. Worshipped. Well, she's failed by this tribe of small people. But then she has to She's failed by this tribe, and they worship her. And oh, I see. It's kind of it's like a gods of, must be crazy, except the Coke bottle's now a television actress. Yeah, it's exactly That's, right. It's out of Africa meets Pretty Woman. Well, and she has you know to decide what? whether you to stay with the TV do. show or save it this entire Africa. Yeah. You don't get involved with writers. But I wasn't getting involved. I was just listening to this amazing idea. Had you, well, I told you, you didn't What's your pitch? The best. Well, is political scary? Political doesn't scare me. Radical political scares me. This political political scares politely me. Politely politically radical. But is it it's, funny? It's funny. It's, it's funny. a funny political it's, thing. It's a funny thing. It's a thriller, too. It's a thriller. And it's all at once. So uh, what's the story? Well, I want Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. I think I can talk to him. Um, it's a story about a senator, a bad guy senator at first. Uh, and he's traveling around the country on the country's dime, you know, uh, like that Sununu guy used to. I see. So it's sort of a cynical political thriller comedy. Yeah, but it's got a heart. Uh, in the right spot. Uh-huh. And anyway, he has an accident. An and accident? Be- yeah, and he becomes clairvoyant, like a oh, psychic. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a psychic political thriller comedy with a heart. With a heart. And uh, not unlike Ghost meets Manchurian Candidate. Go on, go on. I'm listening. Anyway, he can start to read people's minds. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. As a matter of yeah, fact, Betsy. Oh, no. But I've walked right into it. Yes. <laughs> Betsy, I have a list here. Okay. I have a list of the top five X meets Y movie trope pitches. Oh, man. <laughs> Do I, should I lay down on a couch that no, could have no. been bought at Sharper Image? With no, my, this is going to be my, great. My, my, my uh, office ready here? This is going to be great. I actually went through the top five highest grossing movies of all time and made an X meets Y pitch to go along with each of those movies. Got it. Okay, (laughs) I'm into it. Let's go. All right. Oh, wait, I do have an honorable mention before we get started. This honorable mention is good because it'll give you the flavor of the rest of the list. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. So honorable mention is Breaking Bad which is Weeds, the TV show Weeds, meets Taxi Driver, Breaking Bad. Weeds meets Taxi So driver. are these things you come up with on your own? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I invented these. Okay, okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Just just checking on this creative process. Okay. Okay, okay so number, number five? Number five, we're looking at The Lion King. The Lion King from 2019. Okay. Billion okay. dollar gross in Lion King. Okay. It's Hamlet meets National Geographic. Okay, sure. Okay. I think I would say like 
mutual of Omaha, like like okay. the Wild right. Kingdom or whatever. Yeah, because sometimes you know National Geographic is about people too. Got it. Got okay. It. Okay. Got it. Okay. Right. Okay. Number four. Okay. Number four. Next highest grossing movie: Jurassic Park. Right. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. It's Jaws meets Land of the Lost. Jaws meets Land of the Lost. Okay, I like that. Okay, yeah. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, all right, three. Okay, three. We we run into Star Wars. Star Wars, which okay. is like Buck Rogers meets the Karate Kid. Star Wars. So the older, right? Sometimes like some young guy, yeah, mentor. Just to learn okay. how to be something. Yep. With the mentor. Yep. Yep. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. It's constantly mm-hmm. getting it. beat up by some bully. Yeah. Some bully. It's just very complicated. That's right. Okay. Got it. All right. Next highest grossing movie. Number two, Titanic. It's like okay. Romeo and Juliet meets Waterworld. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> I mean, Waterworld, we've got the resource issue. Okay, all right. Okay, fine. Okay. Okay, fine. All right, number one. Number one. Number one. Number one highest gross movie of all time. Avatar. Avatar. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Dances with Wolves meets the Smurfs. Avatar. I like the way you say the title again at the end. (laughs) Avatar. (laughs) Dances with Wolves. It's the Smurfs. I bet. Actually, I bet that's how Jim Cameron pitched it when he showed up. Yeah. He went straight sure. to... I think that's straight. how all these films were pitched. All of them. He went straight to 20th Century Fox. He's like, I got an idea. Dances with Wolves and Smurfs. <laughs> they were like, we love it. We'll give you... We love it. We'll give you a billion dollars. You're, you're, one, you're one of the 12. <laughs> you, We got it. All right, uh, Batsy, what is the best scene from the motion picture? Mm. I do love that opening. Oh, I the crane shot, the long opening. The extended, right, and the way they make the, re- you know, they're making all the passing references and, the, you know, to the other long openers and they're inside, the, they're inside and outside. They play a lot with that in the film, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of, filming from outside but hearing inside and you know people are going back and forth in the cars and the golf carts and and all of that i think it does a good job in a movie that's pretty long yeah. you know altman known for not making short films <laughs> it, but it establishes a great deal of the dynamics yeah and what's going yeah. on yeah so, you, you get yeah. a you get a sense of the flow of the lot and like who's in charge and who's sort mm-hmm. of middle management and you mm-hmm. get you get to hear a pitch for the graduate part too which is fun yes yeah it was just fun mm-hmm. yeah so that's my what about you uh, my best scene is the Whoopi Goldberg interrogations love it love it love it how are you see you. everybody this is Mr Mill you Good remember him again. he makes movies Hello. have a seat Hello. Mr Mill it, not in here this is my lieutenant's oh. officer. Sorry. Right here. All right, now. Uh, Um, Willa, could you... Sorry. Your desk? (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, have a seat, Mr. Moore. Listen, um, before we start, I just... Paul went to see a movie last night. He came in here raving about Paul. 
What was the name of that movie that they changed the lady into the chicken at the end? What did you say? Freaks. Freaks. Have you ever seen this? Todd Browning, yes. Oh. One of us. One of us. One of us. One of us. He came in doing that. He was raving about it. She loved it. He loved it. It was thrilling for me. Um, Willa, excuse me. Did you happen to see where the tampons went that were in here? Because I can't seem to find them. I didn't take them. You, who took them? Did he take them? I don't know. I didn't take them. Well, who did? I didn't take them. You see this? Damn. Um, so do you have a break in the case? How what makes you say that? Well, why else would you bring me here? Why else indeed? <laughs> Paul? Paul? Why have you brought Mr. Miller in here today? To look at some pictures. Willa? Pictures? Listen, could you, if you remember, what were you uh, wearing that night? I was wearing a um, double-breasted suit, I believe. It's all right. It's Mr. Miller, you're so jumpy. Sit down. Uh, she is so crazy hilarious in that scene. Yes. Like, it's yes. just like, oh my God. The tampons and the, the just tampon thing. And just, you know, and poor Tim Robbins just sitting there like, what in the world is going on? And you, you could convince me that there was no script for that scene. That Robert Altman was just like, Whoopi, I need a funny scene. Can you do that? And she's like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. 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 I could be totally kidding. Yeah, and it's and it's also that dynamic with Lyle Lovett. Because mm-hmm. he's such a weirdo. He's okay, such question. a weirdo. Question yes. for our for our early nineties entertainment weekly. Were Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts together at this point? Or was she still let's, with Kiefer Sutherland? Let's look. Because she's giving lots of flatliners vibes. Hmm. That's you true. know, in her appearance. That's true. Right? Yep. So let's let's look this Wait, up. Wait, she got the haircut for flatliners, right? Yes. But it's it's that weird dye job that she's kind of got going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah it's but like she just long. looks that way. A scandal in the early 90s. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, sorry. Love it married actress Julie Roberts after meeting her. On the set of The Player. Oh. Following a three-week romance, they eloped and married in June of 1993. Wow. In Marion, uh, Indiana. How about that? But by March of 95, they divorced. Yeah, it was pretty, it was fast, fast marriage. Yeah. Um, hey, Lyle Lovett played at the Willie Nelson 90th birthday party at the Hollywood Bowl this year. Mm. Yeah. But I just think I love the dynamic of him and Whoopi. It's just, it's really fun. Oh, yeah. I, I, Lyle, it's just so, he's so weird for most of this movie until he's revealed to be a cop. And then he makes so much sense. <laughs> okay, so what is your best performance of the movie then? I mean, I do I do enjoy what Tim Robbins does here. I think yeah. he does some really good work. but. You know, I kind of, I really liked Whoopi. Like, yeah. I was going to bring her up as one of my, you know, when they're in that interrogation scene. Yeah, because sometimes I get annoyed at overlapping dialogue. Not the interrogation mm-hmm. scene, the the lineup. And so what? they bring this woman in, you know, and you've got, you've got the, you know, attorney there uh, in the wheelchair uh, who's, who's telling him, you know, listen, you know, 
by the time by the time I get done with this woman on the stand, there's going to be a whole other definition of blindness and, and just that <laughs> that whole that you know. And then at the end, she's like, "I swear on my mother's grave," and you she's picking out Lyle Lovett, and she's like, "Where the heck is your mother buried?" Like you felt know, like. And she's just, and they're they're just they're just trying to get in, edge like her Whoopi and the attorney just trying to edge in. You know, I don't think you could say that here. Don't ask her that. You know, and, and are you sure? Are you sure? You're, you're number three. Number three. You know, what about five? You know, and it was just she is just such a such a breath in this film because a lot of it can feel very yeah, I'm less interested in like yeah or the intrigue at the. At the, you know, is he going to keep his job? Is Peter right. Gallagher going to, you know, box him out or whatever? But I, it's, I, I really liked that. Yeah, he has a, a, a similar kind of freedom that, uh, that, that Greta, um, Sachi does as the June character, which yeah. is kind of nice in a world that feels very regimented. They don't yeah. feel as regimented. So, I mean, there's a version of this movie that feels more like a standard comedy. That's also a satire, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. not so dark in places like you know, the marketing for this movie is very tricky because, you know, when I was talking about the history that I have with this movie is really no history, except to say that, like, the first time I saw a trailer for this movie, I thought, oh, it's a lighthearted comedy. And mm-hmm. the thing is that, like, Whoopi Goldberg is in a lighthearted comedy. And mm-hmm. so is so is my pick for best performance, which is Richard E. Grant. We're going out a limb on this one. You know, uh, like unknown stage actors or maybe somebody English, like, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Because this story is just too damned important to risk being overwhelmed by personality. Yeah, that's fine for action pictures, but this is special. We want real people here. We don't want people coming with any preconceived notions. We want them to see a district attorney. Bruce Willis. No, not Bruce Willis, not Kevin Costner. This is an innocent woman fighting for her life. Julia Roberts. If we can get her. Of course we can get her. If I'm perfectly honest, if I think about this, this isn't even an American film. It's not. No, no. There are no stars. No pat happy endings. No... Schwarzenegger, no stick-ups, no, no terrorists. This is a tough story, a tragedy, in which an innocent woman dies. Why? Because that happens. Hey, who mm. is great. Like, it. It's like this artist who sticks to his principles until he's given money, and then he has no principles. And then he has no principles, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's all fun, but the Tim Robbins storyline, which we're following, is just, it's very dramatic. It's not a lighthearted comedy at all. It's him becoming the devil, basically, by the end right. of the movie. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's like if you mashed up Breaking Bad with weeds, you know? It's like, it's very, it feels very disjointed, you know, in places. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm with you. I loved Whoopi, but yeah, mine was Richard E. Grant because of the lightheartedness of it, you know, just kind of yeah. pulls you out of the gutter a little bit. I also very much enjoyed Fred Ward. Yeah. As kind of as the security guy. Uh and it, it had reminded me that he had just passed away last year. Mm-hmm. And uh that he is he's just a great actor. 
Okay, Betsy, I've got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. The player opened on April 10th, 1992. April? April. Why? What is this, spring break? I know. I'm trying to think, like, what is April? Yeah, now April is when Festival the Super time. Mario Brothers yeah. movie comes out. Yeah. But, yeah, huh. April. That's a weird one. This but day that means we're going to get a different 90210 one. Yes. <laughs> yes. This day in 90210. Uh, Betsy knows this. Our listeners do not know this, that I have been watching old episodes of 90210 yes, on I do know this. Pluto TV. Loving it. Mm-hmm. Loving it. Are you As watching it with fact, your children? Uh, you know what? I was watching one with the girls the other day, and then Karen came in and said, I don't think you should be watching. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, the, the, the better parent prevailed. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So what my happened? Bad. Sorry. On this uh, okay, we are at season three, episode 25, titled Senior Poll, P-O-L-L, like a questionnaire. Like Senior an election? Poll. Okay. Right. The description, as the end of the school year approaches, the students await the results of the senior poll, and Steve has a chance to make a shot at a Lakers game. <laughs> it's a hard-hitting <laughs> episode of <laughs> What wow. happened on this episode? That, that that gives us nothing. Yeah, I think there was a writer's strike that week. They, just, <laughs> they had early AI wrote that for them. Let's go to a Lakers game. They just wanted to go to a Lakers game, I think. Near pole. Okay. Uh, here we, oh, see. here we go. I have a, I have a better descri- description. Voted the most beautiful senior at West Beverly. Kelly fears that no one looking beneath her good surface so that no one's looking beneath her good surface while she becomes hurt over Dylan, not wanting to show her his finished editorial whom he shows to uh, Andrea first. Meanwhile, Steve forgets he's dateless when he goes out with Brandon and his parents to the Lakers basketball game and is randomly chosen to win $10,000 for a half court shot. Also, Brenda reconsiders her college choice of going back to Minnesota. Wow. You got to get on IMDb. Somebody posted this up. That is much more descriptive. Wow. There's a picture of Dylan on the phone. I'm pretty sure I just saw that episode. Cordless phone. Cordless phone. Okay. The player had a domestic gross of $21 million, making it the number 56 grossing movie of 1992. It is the number 3,500. Oh, this is going to be a real gem matchup. Can't wait. All right. I think I think you're going to He's not making it for the money. He's not making it for the money. Betsy, I am guessing. Okay, wait a second. Okay, let me, let me set it up. This is the number okay. 3,562nd top grossing movie of all time <laughs> between. And Betsy, I am going to guess that. For the first time in Flirt, Mary Kill history, you are going to kill all three movies. Here we go. Oh, no. Okay. It comes between the Green Berets, the John Wayne classic Green Berets. Oh, wow. Oh, God. And the other movie on the other side of it is called Overlord. Overlord. 
which I looked up and found out was about Nazi zombies. So it's, it's a Nazi zombie movie. Okay, there are lots of overlords. What overlord okay, is Well, it? this is the overlord that has What Nazi year? Zombies. What year? I think it's is like Is it 75? 20... No, no, no. I think it's in the 2000s. 2018. Nazi zombies. A small group of American soldiers find horror behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. So Flirt, Mary Kill, you get the Green Berets, the player, and Overlord. Wow. I will say the people in Overlord have gone on to have better careers than this movie might. It uh, feels like that movie came out longer ago than 2018. 2018, really? Hmm. Wyatt, Wyatt Russell is in that. He's, oh! Yes. I love Wyatt Russell. Mm-hmm. Very talented. Very creepy episode of Black Mirror. Wyatt Russell, is it? Yes. Yes. So, oh, and the lead is was in that movie Babylon, speaking of Hollywood movies. So I'm going to say I'm going to flirt with Overlord. I'm nice. going to kill the Green Berets and I'll marry the player. Ding, ding, ding. That's my answer as well. <laughs> Yay, okay. That took some work. That was a lot. It did take some work. Those are some. That's a tough choice. That's 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 some tough choices. Yeah, that's uh, that's when you got to chew on for a little bit. Okay, here we go. The the player has a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, what? See, see, film bros love it. They're gonna mansplain you. Some player. Here we go. (laughs) All right. What do you think, Raj? Thought of this movie. I think he I think he loved it. I think he's in the pocket of Big Altman. I think he's down with it. Uh yes, absolutely. Roger yes. loved it. He said it's a movie about today's Hollywood, hilarious and heartless and about equal measure and often at the same time for out of <gasps> stars. What? The same time? <laughs> Movies can be more than one thing. Raj. Okay. All right. Okay. So I do not have a review from Janet Maslin or from Rita Kempley. But what I do have, Betsy, is an article from Rita Kempley about the player screening at a festival. And and she has a story. Oh, it's filming at Cannes. Okay. So she has a story from Cannes about... Robert Altman's behavior and the player. Would you like to hear some goss from Rita Kimbley? I'm up for some hot goss. Spill that tea, Rita Kimbley. Let's go. This, this is a little longer than usual, so I'm going to be reading for a while, but I'll try to make it entertaining. Rita okay, Kimbley right. says this. Normally an affable curmudgeon, Altman did reject one question from a people reporter who asks the identity of the postcard scribbler who threatens the life of the anti-hero. I won't tell you, said Altman, since people gave us one of our only bad reviews. I don't like the magazine and refused to do an interview, and they gave me a bad review. Do you think there's any coincidence? He snapped. <laughs> Asked about the conspicuous absence of agents in the movie, Altman quipped, I found that it was impossible to do a parody of a parody. Funny how many agents showed up at a... This is Rita Kimpley talking now. Funny how many agents showed up at a black tie supper for the player that night. 
And given the selfless posturing of all concerned, funny too that Altman et al. didn't protest harder when Spelling Entertainment, a co-financier, decided against sending cast member Cynthia Stevenson because she wasn't sexy enough for Can. They had to be persuaded to pay Michael Tolkien's way too, and it's his book. That's the goss from Rita Kimball. Wow. I thought it was entertaining. <laughs> that is. Well, yeah, I could see him being ornery. Yeah. I love it. He won't talk to people because they gave him a bad review. And Spelling Entertainment mm-hmm. won't send their actress or the person whose book they used for the movie. Yeah, I will say when the Spelling Entertainment came up at the beginning, I'm like, what's going on? Is this... Our 90210 segment, it you know, coming into our oh, that's TV. right. Oh my gosh, yes. no, right? Oh, spelling so is all over that. the place. I know. Okay. Now, are all of all are all of Altman's movies like star-studded affairs? No, not is that all. The deal. He likes to manage large casts. He does have Something large like casts. Gosford Park and right. You know. He does have large casts, and he, you know, he likes playing with like cross cross talk, you know, stuff like that. That's an Altman calling card, I would say. Yes. Um, well, and it's interesting how he's. Then there's this this overlap. Like Richard E. Grant is then also in. He's in Gosford Park. You look at Shortcuts, which is mm-hmm. potentially we're going to watch next year, right? You've got yeah. Annie McDowell's in there. Tim Robbins is in there. You've got. You know, we had we had a, a Jack Lemon was playing piano in the party scene, and he's in, Fred Ward is in it, and it's it's like, you know, I'm imagining some of these folks are like, all right, you just have to do like a day. Yeah, um, and he may have his people. I mean, the Coen brothers have their people. You know, I don't know. yeah, Lyle Lovett's in it. Yeah, I mean, basically, he was like, hey, this was fun. Do y'all want to make sure? <laughs> yeah, y'all want to make another one? Let's run it back. Let's do it. Let's do it. So. Uh, how did the player do at the Oscars? Betsy oh. had no no wins, no wins at the Oscars. Did it have no nominations at the Oscars? Actually? It had three nominations. Oh, I haven't looked this up. So would you um, like to guess what it was nominated for? Um, adapted screenplay. Yes, ding ding ding! Adapted screenplay okay. based on a book by Michael Tolkien, and they didn't invite him to go to Cannes. <laughs> Yep. Um, I'm not going to say costuming. No, not costuming. Because I'm not going to give in to big suit industry, literally and figuratively. Right. Cinematography? No, not cinematography. Film oh, editing? Film editing. Yeah, I was going to say, you're kind of okay. close. Yeah, film editing. Yeah, okay. And then editing. one big one. Best actor. No, not best actor. Interesting. Yeah, Tim Robbins. Best director? Best director, the affable curmudgeon. Kiss the ring. Kiss <laughs> the ring. Okay. <clears throat> the affable curmudgeon, Robert. Oh. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's outstanding. The audience is going to love it. You, you sold it out. I can't believe it. How could you let him sell you out? I mean, what about truth? What about the reality? What about the way the old ending tested in Canoga Park? Everybody hated it. We reshot it, now everybody loves it. That's reality. But you had an ending which was true. You didn't even give it a chance. Larry, who is this person? Doesn't she know anything about working with grown-ups? This is a hit. This is what we're here for. Yeah, well, it didn't have to end this way. 
I want you out of here. Good thinking, Larry. I'm going over your head, Larry. Bonnie, you're fired. Uh, okay, so what's the lasting legacy of this movie? I think, you know what, we haven't, we haven't had the show business conversation yet. And mm-hmm. maybe we can do that now since the, yeah. since, since this movie is really, it's taken down all of that stuff. So, yep. you know, this, this thing that we've devoted our lives to <laughs> sort of project, it comes with this sort of twist of saying, okay, popular art, you realize that we're just making this so that we can make money off of you suckers, right? And that's really the the thesis statement that's at the heart of this movie. And it just mm-hmm. makes me wonder, the big question for us is, is popular art just an exercise in cynicism? And it's like, do we not want to see the man behind the curtain? Right. Or even like, is it even creative? You know, it's like what this movie would have you believe is like, okay, we'll take your pitch, but we're going to make the movie that we're going to make. And it's yeah, going we're to gonna be cast the movie the that people makes the we want to cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the movie that you makes know, the when, when it's like you know, the, 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 the happy ending, it doesn't have a happy ending. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it comes down to like, is it art? So because there, there are people that have a vision that want to make something. Mm-hmm. They're writers, sure. they're directors, they're actors. They want to make something. And then there's a whole nother level of people who pay for it. And they mm-hmm. want what they want, right? And at some point, right. you are having you have to compromise something along the way. Yep. Uh, it turns and... out also, yeah, just one last note, which is to say, yeah, it yeah. turns out that the people that pay for it are usually awful people. <laughs> That's Yes. Yeah, well, and that you're not just compromising something, you know, Richard E. Grant compromised everything, you know? Right. And I love the, you know, Susan Sarandon mm-hmm. of it all, right? That she's going to later be in Dead Men Walking, and it's like that whole thing. Yeah, we'll we'll watch that next year, I think. Uh, um, coming up, yeah. Next year? Or year 90, well, I think it's 96. Yeah. I think it's 96. Okay. But yeah, so that, like, that's coming up. That's mm-hmm. like, hey, can we get your longtime girlfriend to be in this movie? Yeah. So it's it is this yeah, but that you're gonna you're gonna compromise it all in the yeah. end to get it made, and you know, and you're gonna and like that idea of test audiences, we're gonna test this. didn't test well, and so we're gonna change it up. Yeah, it just makes you. I mean, it just makes you skeptical. And I, we've we've had this conversation in different ways, like mm-hmm. like when we were talking about Malcolm X, and like okay, so here's a movie that's well-crafted, well-directed, tremendously acted, no nominations. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Because clearly, like, Oscars aren't for the best thing, because otherwise, then they would pick the best thing. So, like, Mm -hmm. who's paying for... Who's paying for Oscars? Like, this is the... The what's-his-face? Like, the, the... Weinstein... Weinstein conversation, yeah. Yes, of it all. Yeah, because I think it's all about, yeah, the mechanism that's moving things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of what we're dealing with. And Altman and... may be onto something here, saying, what if the people who 
are buying and selling the art are literally the devil. Like what? What mm-hmm. is? Well, and that I think for a long time the Oscars themselves were fine with having a very myopic single note of a voice tell them what's good. Mm-hmm. You know, so hence Oscars so white, right? That mm-hmm. you know that we they are very much in line and in bed with traditional Hollywood. And here, you know, we're watching an updated studio system. And it was interesting that, you know, those two writers, we don't want to hop around anymore. We just want to, we want to just be in a contract with you. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, it's, it's, it's now, you know, go, let's go back to this contract player type, type time, you know, contract writers. And I think, you know, and you and I were having this conversation and I don't know whether it's still going to be going on amidst the writer strike has, has just started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so writers all over the country and people, you know, posting, being out on the picket lines and, and I got to tell you, writers have the best picket signs because they're just <laughs> very creative and, and that we're at this, this other kind of inflection point of, you know, you know, when someone has a sign that says, you know, just maybe sell one yacht, yeah. you know, that there's this discrepancy in, in amount and, and what people are getting paid. Mm-hmm. And so I think the plight of the writer, I think that it makes the David Kahane of it all so interesting. Yeah. Is this. I mean, yeah, it's sad. Like the, like that's the thing about this movie, you know, the tonality of it, which Roger Ebert sort of touched on like the Vincent D'Onofrio storyline in this movie is a sad story. Yeah. It's just like, you know, he just like, it, it just, just goes to show that, you know, whenever you're talking about institutions and whenever you're talking about gatekeepers and people in charge, there's going to be people who want to do something because they love it. And there's going to be people who are in charge because they pull the levers, you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just well, it's hard. also this element element to that with the way that you see Griffin's brain work. Mm-hmm. Everything can be broken down. A life can be broken down into its pieces, into what genre it is, into how it ends, into how, you know, the movements. But, you know, that the David Cain's story had problems with this and that inside the structure of his piece and that he would probably look at his own life that way and the lives of other people, that it all gets, it's all a story. Yeah. That can that can be broken down into smaller pieces. That's so sad. But yeah, here's a question: with the advent of basically people have a movie studio in their pocket now, right? Mm-hmm. So with the advent of incredible technology that can sort of make and craft movies, things like YouTube, where you can post things on your own, right? You can make your own Mm -hmm. stuff, post it yourself, market it yourself. Mm -hmm. So what happens to popular art when the barrier of entry gets lower and lower for people to get into the space? And they're not... It still plays plays the same game, though, of likes and this and how many views. And it's still all capitalism. Oh, okay. It's just a different form of currency. It's just a different form of currency. I yeah. think, you know, yes, it does allow, you know, it, the field is much more crowded. You know, when he was saying, oh, we only say yes 12 times a year, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more that people people like I don't need it yet. So I'm just going to do it. Right. And you know, I, and I think we have we will start to see because you and I have talked about this time in the '90s. We're about to do this indie break, right? Like this is about to kind of start. Yeah. yeah. And we've kind of had it a little bit with um, you know the Evil the Coens and then. Um, the sex lies and videotape, you know, these smaller oh, yeah. films. Soderbergh, yeah. Making these, yeah, making these impacts. And so younger directors who would normally get the yes. So I think about those sorts of things all kind of coming. And I think we have the, that all, that's all cyclical in terms yeah. of how our media works. We talk a lot about like the 90s on this show. And I think the, well, one is because we're talking about movies from the we'll 90s. Watch movies in the 90s. <laughs> Just yes. in general on Popping Collars, I've noticed we talk about the 90s a lot. But I think that when we talk about it, I think we're using shorthand for a pop culture that existed just before the advent of the internet. And that's yes. what that's what all of this is. So like when we make reference to it, what we're trying to talk about is that the game is going to change by the end of that decade, right? And so it's like, what were mm-hmm. we making like right before everything changed, you know? Well, we're also talking about the popular culture that was foundational to us as young people who had our own opinions, you know, that we started to say, well, this is good and this is bad and this is a sellout and this is authentic and whatever that is, that this is when I had my own opinions. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think you're right. That's interesting. Um, And the Internet is going to make it easier for people to make things. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I mean, certainly show business still exists. Like, that is a thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The movies that make the most money are going to be, you know, movies with big budgets. Although, you know, we see the rise of things like Blumhouse, A24, like these small studios that take big swings on, like, small budgeted movies to see if they Mm -hmm. can then recoup, like, big profits on the back of them. And that model seems to be working pretty well for those studios. I'm I'm wondering if like you'll start to see some of those bloated budgets, you know, outside of like Avatar movies. Like mm-hmm. you'll start to see some of the bloated Marvel budgets and stuff start to get whittled down a little bit because they're just yeah. not making the same money that they were 5 years ago. Leave it to America to make art into capitalism. It's just so, mm-hmm. so hilarious. Okay. Uh, question. Who is this movie for? Betsy. Film bros. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's definitely for people who like movies. It is yeah. for people who love the cinema right. and are into that and love another cameo around every corner. Even though the behind the scenes is is dark and icky, want to go there? Yeah, I I wrote it's probably for like all of Altman's buddies. <laughs> like when yeah. it's, like you know who I bet loved this movie was Burt Reynolds, who all he has to do is just sit there and talk for like two seconds until his audio gets. He calls. Out. Yeah, I think he calls someone an asshole, like or something. Yeah. Like an asshole. Yeah, and then. <laughs> And like that scene, like he, you know, can you take this guy's food away? It's like here, I'll order this, but then he orders something and he's never not there when it's actually delivered. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I learned all different kinds of uh, artisanal waters that you can. Yeah, I know, right? 
Uh, okay, so what is your rating for the player out of five? Okay, I'm going to give the player uh-huh. a three. Betsy, we gave the player what? the same rating. What? I gave it a three as well. Oh my gosh. I would love That's... to hear your rationale behind giving it a three. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. Right. But it's, it's, it's kind of middle of the road for me. You know, it's not a movie that I would seek out and watch again. Uh, but, my... uh, I think it's an interesting time capsule. Is kind yes. of what I, way I look at it. Very it's good. like you bury, you buried a time capsule and dug it up. An interesting time capsule of zoots, <laughs> giant suits. Giant suits and a snake in your floorboard. Right. You know. Uh, my review was that it feels like it's too sinister to be a comedy and too silly to be a drama. It throws me off balance. And then mm-hmm. I wrote, it's got lots of good pieces that just kind of add up to a bit of a curious mess. Yeah. Um. So why did, wait, did I nominate? I nominated this. Why did I nominate? You nominated this because you're a film bro. The player is my pick. Well, yes, I am a film bro. Um. <laughs> no, I nominated this for a few reasons. One is because uh, we haven't really, I don't think we've done a movie that talks about movies yet. And And now it's always it's you know, it's kind of fun to see like how the industry looks at itself and stuff like that. Um, But also, you know, this movie has like an outsized reputation, too. And sometimes it's good to like look back and kind of sacred cow kind of a movie a little bit where it's like, is it really that special? You know? (laughs) And mm-hmm. just kind of like review what our societal take is on a movie. I don't know that the players is great as we all think it is necessarily. Yeah, I would say if you haven't seen that. it in a while, give it another look. Give it a look. Well, it's also interesting. I feel like Europe does this a lot more yeah. than we do. Yeah. You know, if you're thinking about Fellini, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, that's. That's a great point. What I would say Cinema is Paradiso and, don't watch the player, watch eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I find that I find that interesting that they've done a little more of that work. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't do very well looking in the mirror. Uh well, yeah. I guess wait, now that I say that, I said all of that out loud, and then we just watched like what was that Meryl Street movie that we watched that was like I mean, Postcards from the Edge. Yeah, postcards from the edge. Yeah, that that gives you a little bit. Yeah, I was like, anyway, what did uh did Emily have anything to say about the player? No, I didn't ask her about this one. Yeah, whether she's seen it. No, don't watch this, Emily. It'll just it'll ruin your day. It will. It will. It'll be Uh, a couple hours you can't get back. Next question: What do you think Billy Crystal said about this in his Oscars? I don't think he talked about the player. I don't think he talked about this. No, he wouldn't have talked I, about it. Because what but but if he had been in it, maybe he would have. Yeah. Yeah. He could have uh, done a whole player. Well, there isn't enough kind of it's what not a genre. If, yeah. What if all of the live aid people wait, was it live aid? No. Comic relief. Comic relief. What if all the comic relief people got together in this movie? If you got one yeah, out of three. Yeah. Okay. That's it. The player. That's it. In the book. Uh, what's What's next? Next up is a Betsy pick. 
It's our first Quentin Tarantino movie. First one. It's the Reservoir Dogs. Yep. Woo! I gotta tell you. Not Reservation Dogs. Not Reservation Dogs. Although that that show is amazing. That show Uh, slaps. It's a great show. Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I gotta tell you, Betsy, I could talk about Reservoir Dogs right now. That's how many times I've seen it. That's how alive and fresh (laughs) it is for you. I am very literate in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, right. Okay. I don't even know if I need a rewatch. We'll see. I think I'd, I need a refresh. Yeah. I need a refresh. So Reservoir Dogs, next time. Betsy, thank you for getting my mail for me from the mailroom. Just a quick question. What is this death threat doing here? Is this... Um, um, I don't I, know. We're just we're just pulling on old film noir things. Don't worry oh, about it. Okay. It's, all, it's, all right. a, it's a heavy-handed metaphor that okay. will extend throughout the story. Because it says, so I'm going to kill you. And then it's signed mm-hmm. B. <laughs> it's that I don't know. I just I don't read the mail. I just oh, am okay. picking it up. That's my job. That would be a federal offense if I were to read your mail. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. You just could take your questions and shove off. Okay? Uh, there's no stamp. There's no stamp on this. <laughs> I, I have no answers for you. Okay. No answers. All right. We'll Sorry. see you next time. Maybe. Maybe. Bye. Bye. Maybe. Who knows? All right. Bye.